Hasn't that, wasn't that a wonderful time of lifting up the name of Jesus together? Um, we do, we sing songs and lift up the name of Jesus because, one, he's worthy, amen? He's worthy. But if we do, if we are faithful in lifting up the name of Jesus, then there's something that is freeing about that within ourselves as well. And so I hope that you leave here refreshed today because you got a chance to worship Jesus Christ. And I certainly hope uh, that you gave it your all so that Jesus was glorified as well. Uh, who got a chance? Uh, there was a significant event that happened uh, this past week. Who got a chance to see the Christmas star? Who, got, who, who tried to see the Christmas star but couldn't? Isn't that fitting for 2020? This once-in-a-lifetime event? Oh, I'm going to go outside. Nothing, because there's clouds and everything in the way. Uh, Pastor Doug mentioned to me uh, that there's a sermon illustration in there somewhere. That if you uh, cloak yourself under the cloud of sin, that somehow you'll miss out on the sign of God who's going to take you to where you need to be. But uh, we all need the leading of, of, God's, uh, of God's light telling us where to go. And so with that, we are going to be taking a look uh, at what it looks like to follow the light of Christmas. Following the light of Christmas. And we can find this story uh, in Matthew chapter 2, and it's about the story of the Magi, or the wise men, uh, who uh, followed a star until it eventually rested over to where Jesus was. And so with all of this, it's going to be a great story of God intervening in the ordinary lives of ordinary people so that he can lead them to something extraordinary. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, <clears throat> Judea, my voice cracked a little bit, so just wanted a chance to say that in a manly way. Um, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now here's my question. Who were these wise men? Where did they come from? I've heard of many theories as I have studied scripture and where they came from, and it varies all over the place because there isn't a whole lot that the Bible specifically comes out and says, these are who the, this is who these people are. But there are some clues so if you take a look at the term wise men and what that is in the Greek, it is a term called magoi, which can also be interpreted as teacher, as scientist, and even astronomer and astrologer as well. And many people believe that this is a Greek term that was borrowed from the Persian Empire. And so they had this term called magos that had its roots in the religious caste of the Persian Empire at the time. And so what these people did is, is that they would look up into the stars and they would study the stars. And they would track their formations and track the constellations together. And so really, it was very much like the scientists of their day. 
but they also took a look at these things, and they also looked for religious meaning as well. And so not only was this an intellectual pursuit for them, but this was also a spiritual one. It was a marrying of science and religion all together at the same time. And so these folks who did this, they were highly influential people in the Persian Empire. And so a logical conclusion could be that these wise men came from Persia and were sent as emissaries of the king to go check out what this star really meant. This is something that is fitting uh, for Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6, that many biblical scholars uh, hypothesize that it, this was a prophecy of how the wise men came and traveled at such a great distance to see who Jesus was. It says in that passage, Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. They shall, be, they shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. So that part that says that nations will come and, 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 um, and that kings will bring gold and frankincense, in reality, that was something that rang true because these emissaries were representatives of that nation. They were representatives of the king. It was just as if the king himself had come. And you could see that they brought very much the same gifts in Isaiah 60. They brought the same gifts in Matthew chapter 2. Gold and frankincense. And the wise men kicked it up a notch and added a little bit of myrrh here and there. Um, but they brought gifts in very much the same way. Um, you could see Herod speaking to these people. And he spoke to them with a politeness. But he spoke to them like a servant as well. So these people couldn't have been kings that came because if a king came and was visiting your land and you spoke to them like they were a servant, that would have been highly disrespectful. That would have been something that would have caused a war if you started like, all right, I know you're a king and you rule your own country and you uh, rule over armies and things like that, but go fetch me a sandwich. Go ahead and go to, go to this place. Tell me where this person is. And so that is very much, uh, it's, it's very much a, a logical conclusion uh, to think that these were representatives of a king, emissaries who were visiting, because Herod spoke to them with kindness, but he also spoke to them uh, with the sense that he could tell them what to do. So does that make sense for everyone? I mean, I could wrap my mind around that, right? It's, that's logical. There's lots of scholars who have done a lot of work who are smarter than I am. But I have a question. In verse chapter 2, it says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So my question is, how in the world did these people arrive at the conclusion that a baby was born. I've looked up at the stars many times. No point in that time of me looking up at the stars, I've thought to myself, you know what? I think a baby's being born right now. 
Now, it's probably true with the billions of people around and trillions and whatever, there's probably a baby being born at some point, but that's just me guessing. That's just me assuming. That's not me looking up in the sky and thinking, you know what? I'm looking up at the sky and it's spelling out baby born right there. There's never a point that I've looked up and I saw a constellation and it's a woman giving birth. Not one time has that ever happened to me. So my question is, is if these people who are astronomers, who are well-versed at looking up at the sky and seeing how everything should be, how did they come to the conclusion there is a baby being born and this is a baby that we need to worship? How did they come to that conclusion? As we talked about before, they worshiped the stars. That was part of their religion. And so by definition, they were not worshiping the God of the Bible. They were in idolatry. And so if they're in idolatry, and God himself has specifically and strictly forbid idolatry, then how did these people who are practicing a false religion come to this revelation that there is a baby being born and his name is Jesus? How did that happen? And the only logical conclusion that I can come to is, is that God spoke to them anyways. And that is good news. Because it tells me that even when I was in the midst of sin, Christ still died for me. That God will speak to you even when you are in the midst of idolatry, even though you are in the midst of sin, God cares about you so much that he sent his son to die for you and that he speaks out to you on a daily basis over and over and over again because he wants you to have life and life more abundantly. That is good news. If you take a look at scripture all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, this same theme comes up over and over and over again. It is God coming near to humanity and continuing to speak into their lives over and over and over again so that people can have life. That's what we see with the wise men, is, is that they were in the midst of idolatry, as doing what they have always done, just as they have always done from time and time again, and God spoke and said, let me interrupt your ordinary life and point you to something truly extraordinary, something that is far greater than what you're involved in, something that deserves your attention. Would you shift your focus from here and focus on this that really matters? Will you come and worship the king? I went quite a bit there without looking at my notes. So much so that I lost where I'm supposed to be. So this gets to an important point that I want to talk about. Once these wise men came to this conclusion that there was something significant happened, they had, uh, they had uh, a moving of their hearts and their minds that they had to do something. And it's something that I like to call persistent faith persistent faith. It's one thing for, for us to come to a, conclu uh, to a conclusion and be inspired by it, but if we don't do anything, then it doesn't really matter, does it? 
It's not really faith, is it? Faith uh, produces action. It leads to action. And so if we have this conclusion, we come here on a Sunday morning, we sing praises to God, and we think, yes, this is great, this is wonderful, and we go out there and leave and never put any of it to practice, then what we really have done is is we just made ourselves feel better, but we haven't been exercising any faith. These wise men came to the conclusion that we have to see what this star is. We have to find this baby. We must worship the king of the Jews. They demonstrated persistent faith. And so think about what this meant for them. Not only did they come to this conclusion, but they had to get permission from the king. So they came to the king of Persia and said, look, we have we have come to this conclusion that another king has been born somewhere, and we want to go there and worship him. Now, as a king, that probably was something that was a little bit intimidating. I'm the king. Why are you going somewhere else to worship some other king? But they felt so impressed by this, so compelled, that they went to the king anyway. They had persistent faith. The king was obviously moved and said, you know what, you feel so strongly about this? Go ahead, check it out. And they had to make the journey where they went from Persia to Jerusalem, which, is a lot of, which was a pretty decent distance. It was also dangerous to go from one country to the next. But they had persistent faith. They kept pushing forward. In verse 3, it says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, if I were one of the wise men, I wonder what my reaction would have been. Here, I see something in the sky. I think it's important. And so I travel with a group of friends who saw the same thing, and they think it's important too. And then... We get to Jerusalem, we get to the place where this is supposed to happen, and the very people who should care about this don't. Not only do they not care about it, they seem to be a little annoyed by it. I wonder what my reaction would have been. It would have been pretty easy for me to be discouraged and to have that seed of doubt take root in the soil of my heart. But they persisted. They had persistent faith. Maybe today you find yourself in a similar challenge. You started off maybe in a strong belief in Jesus Christ, but there have been challenges that have planted seeds of doubt in the soil of your own hearts. Perhaps it is uh, your job. Maybe it's uh, your family situation. Maybe it's all of 2020 combined. Maybe some things have challenged you in your faith, and you are wondering, Do, can I move forward? Can I continue forward in what Jesus has called me to be? Let me encourage you today. Keep going. Keep going forward. The king of humanity is worth the journey And he is certainly deserving of your worship. Keep going. Perhaps there are people around you like the wise men who should know better. Who say they worship Jesus, but then act like he's no big deal. 
Don't allow them to distract you. Don't allow them to pull you down, but instead continue forward in faith, not only for you, but for those around you who need to be encouraged to worship God Almighty with everything that they have. Your worship is not only something that God deserves, and not only is something that is good for you, but it is good for everyone around who sees you valuing the one thing that everyone should, that should unite around. It's Jesus Christ. Let's look further into our story. We will pick up again with verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The first thing that we learned about following the light of Christmas is is that we have to have persistent faith. But following the light of Christmas also will bring inevitable disruptions to our lives. This was a disruption to Herod which is always the case with the gospel. God will never come into your life and then say, you're good, and then leave. That's not the nature of the gospel. The nature of the gospel is is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have committed an act of rebellion against him. And so by 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 our very nature, we require help. We need help. And it means that us giving our lives over to Jesus Christ and allowing him to transform us from death to life. We will always be confronted and disrupted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is necessary in order for him to do the work that he wants to do in our lives. So for Herod, it was clear what his reaction was to that. His his reaction was being troubled. Think about what this meant for him. He is the king of Israel at that moment. He's the king. And so now, these group of people who are highly influential people of another country comes over and says, I heard there's another king that has been born. And you know what? I want to worship him. We know it's not you. You're a grown man. This one is a baby. And he's being born, and he's the king of the Jews. Where is he? This was troubling for him because it, it, it challenged his power. It challenged his identity. And he took all of that and he said, you know what? I don't like that. I don't want this to happen. He was troubled. And the thing was is that he had a proper imp- interpretation of what was going on. He knew that this was going to change things for him but he didn't understand that it was a good thing. When God disrupts your life, it is always going to be for your benefit. It is always going to be for the glory of God. It is always going to be worth submitting to that disruption. But if we go through our lives thinking, this is going to be taken away from me, good! Good that he takes my power away. Because when I am weak, the Bible says that he will make me strong. 
Good that he takes away my identity because the Bible says that the old will pass away and that he will make us new once again. We have to embrace the disruptive work of Jesus Christ in our lives. If we hang on to what we think is ours, we will miss out on what God has been wanting to hand to us all of our lives. Of all people, Herod should have known better. He was not only a political leader, but that position also meant that he was supposed to be a religious leader as well. In fact, he knew enough. He knew enough information because he went and asked the scribes and the priests, you know, I remember reading somewhere about the Messiah and he's supposed to be born somewhere. Where was that? It's in Bethlehem. That's right. That's right. So I'm just going to tell these wise men to go to Bethlehem and then let, you know, they'll let me know where he is and I'll worship him as well. Of course, that wasn't his real intent. He wanted to maintain his power. But here's the thing. His reaction to the disruption of the gospel was not one of ignorance. It was one of rebellion. I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life where I've made a misstep in my faith. And I've tried to play it off later as something of, I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't sure what to do. I misstepped. And if I was really honest with myself, it wasn't a question of me being ignorant of what to do. It was me being rebellious to what God was trying to do. And we see this with Herod. He knew. He knew enough to ask, a, ask those scribes and the priests. He knew that this was supposed to, this could potentially be the Messiah. What was his reaction? Rebellion. Oftentimes I'm far more rebellious than I would like to give myself credit for. My question to you is, is how do you respond to the interruptions and disruptions that the gospel will inevitably bring in your life. Will you be like the wise men who demonstrated persistent faith? Or are you going to be like Herod and resist so that you can hang on to what little you think is yours? One of the disruptions we can count on when we follow the light of Christmas is, is that we can count on divine guidance. Check out these next few verses, starting with verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I might come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose and went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. The wise men had gone all the way to Jerusalem. That's where they, were, that's where they thought they were supposed to be. But they didn't find, the, they didn't find Jesus there, did, did, did they? Wasn't there. They had to keep on going. And I find a lot of times in our lives... When we are following Jesus Christ, Jesus will bring us up to this point. And then Jesus will say, you have been obedient. I'm glad that you have reached this spot. 
But you know what? It's time for you to continue forward in your journey. And so you continue to go forward. And the good news is, is that Jesus doesn't stop speaking to you here. When he calls you to the next place, he will continue to give you divine guidance with every step that you take. That is the beauty of being a follower of Jesus Christ. When you are a follower of Jesus, it's not like Jesus comes to you and says, okay, I want to save you. Okay, you're saved. Now go. He continues forward, going forward with you. He continues to speak into your life. Let me encourage you today. God is not finished with you. Did you hear that? He is not finished with you. He is still speaking. He is still leading. He is still guiding. We have celebrated this past week the birth of Jesus, and that literally means Emmanuel, God with us. He came near to us, and he remains near to us. The Bible says if we remain in him, he will remain in us. He isn't going anywhere. He is continuing to speak, continuing to move, continuing to deliver us over and over and over again. We just have to continue to keep our focus where it is intended to be, which is Jesus Christ. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he said that he would not abandon us as orphans. He said that he would give us his Holy Spirit and that his Holy Spirit would teach us. His Holy Spirit would give us the words to speak. His Holy Spirit would direct our footsteps. His Holy Spirit would cleanse us from all sin. His Holy Spirit would point to Jesus Christ. And finally, we know from Scripture and from experience that the Holy Spirit will also empower us to be His witnesses, to tell the whole world of who He is. Because of the Holy Spirit, we will prophesy. Because of his Holy Spirit, we will see visions. We will dream dreams. We will pray the prayer of faith, and the sick and the infirmed will get well. We will speak words of truth given us by the Holy Spirit, and the spiritually deaf will have their ears opened up so that they can hear the gospel and respond with life. We have the Holy Spirit with us. God has not stopped talking. He has not stopped working in your life. On the contrary, he has never stopped. You may have found something else to listen to, but he has never stopped giving you his divine guidance. My question to you today is what are you listening to? Who has your attention? Because Jesus Christ is right there still speaking. You may have wandered off a little bit, but Jesus is right there. All you have to do is turn around, and he will be right there. Today, we have this holy imperative. After having persistent faith and after welcoming this inevitable disruption that the gospel brings to our life, and after this divine guidance that happens, we have this imperative to give God our extravagant worship. Let's close the rest of our story 
Picking up with verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It is important to note that at the beginning of this story, we see that the wise men were asking where Jesus was so that they can worship him. And it's nice that we got to see the end of that story. Because when they finally found him, they were filled with great joy. And they gave him everything that they had with them. All the gold that they took with them. Perhaps it was to trade or to barter. Maybe it was because they brought gold to bring, to give to him initially. Who knows? All the frankincense that they had. All the myrrh that they had. And they said, you know what, Jesus? We want you to have this because you deserve everything in our life. They offered their extravagant worship. When you think about the story of Christmas, it is a story that is still being written to this very day. We still have this imperative to follow the light of Christmas, but instead we don't have to look up at the sky and see a light in the sky. It is a light that has already been revealed in Jesus Christ. He is the true light of the world. It says in Scripture, well, you know what? Ah, there it is. I am the light of the world. Whoever, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We have this light that has demonstrated itself fully to us. We just have to open our eyes and take a look to see what it is. Let's follow Jesus today. There are so many things that are begging for our attention. So many things that's propped themselves up as being valuable. Pay attention to this. Pay attention to me. How many times have you turned on the TV only to realize, holy cow, there's a lot of commercials out there. And a lot of commercials I really don't want to have anything to do with. So you turn it off or you fast forward it. There's so many things that are propping themselves up as something of value, and in all of it, it all falls short. It all doesn't rise to the level that it, that it's, that, that it says it is. And here Jesus Christ says, follow me. I'm the light of the world. And you know what? He doesn't fail in his promise. It continues to prove itself over and over and over again. All it requires is us to submit. For us to say, I don't want my power. I don't want this identity of death. But instead, I want whatever it is that you can give me. I'm reliant on you, God. There's nothing that I can do that is going to have any significance in eternity. I know that only you can give me that. Don't miss out on what God is looking to do today. Don't miss out.
We could fill our lives with so many different things. But if we don't have Jesus, it's not going to mean anything. Don't miss the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now and saying, follow Jesus Christ. That's truly what it means to follow the light of Christmas. Follow Jesus. Follow his direction. He will take you to where you need to be. I talked about extravagant worship. That can be an intimidating phrase. Because in my mind, when I think of extravagant worship, I start thinking of comparisons. I start thinking of the talented people that were on this stage in the morning. I know full well that I cannot sing like they can. So how can I offer extravagant worship like they can? But that's not what it's about. It's not like there is a comparison here of this person worships this way and so uh, they're, they're extravagant, but because you can't do what they can do, that that somehow is meaningful, that that somehow it doesn't mean as much as them. God meets us where we're at. And so that means the things that you are good at, the things that you value the most, you are submitting to his leadership. Some of you are really good at administrative things. And so you can offer your worship and how you administer and how you help things stay ordered and together. All of us have talents and giftings in one way or another. So our extravagant worship is just us giving God those things. Us using those things to glorify him, to serve humanity, to give away yourself. Jesus gave you the best Christmas present that you could ever receive. He gave you himself. All of these things are really good, but if it doesn't mean it doesn't go to Jesus, then what difference does it make? Good, I have peace on this earth for a little bit. Peace at least that is, you know, I'm not thinking about things. But if it doesn't lead to Jesus, it doesn't mean anything. Jesus gave you himself. So today, we have this opportunity to offer him our worship. So with that, could you close your eyes with me, bow your heads. Today I recognize that there are people that might have entered into this room and you may not have uh, considered before the possibility of following Jesus Christ. You may not have considered the possibility that you need Jesus. And so let me encourage you with this one thing. Don't leave here without coming to him. 
You can offer him your everything right now at this moment. So in a little bit, I am going to ask that if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask that you lift up your head, open your eyes, and look at me. And we are going to agree with one another that you and I together, we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to offer him our everything. He is going to be our Savior, and he's going to be our Lord. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to start off at this far right section, your left. If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ today, all you have to do is lift up your head, open your eyes, and we will agree with one another. Now moving into this next section, in this middle section, is there anyone here you want to follow Jesus Christ today? Yes, I agree with you. 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 Yes. Now this next middle section. Is there anyone here? You want to follow Jesus Christ today. This is... Yes, I agree with you. Now this far left, far, your far right. Anyone here, this is your day. You want to follow Jesus Christ. Just lift up your head Open your eyes, and we will agree with one another. Yes, I agree with you. And now finally, in the overflow, anyone there, this is your day. You want to follow Jesus Christ. God, today we give you praise. We give you praise because you have spoken and have reached down and talked to us. You have delivered us from the, de- from, the, uh, from the law of sin and death, and now you have moved us from death into life. And we give you praise for that, God. We give you praise that you do not leave us as we are, but you are looking to transform us into somebody who is following you and going forward in the right direction. God, we thank you that you disrupt our lives so that we can come to know you for all of eternity. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. For some of you, you have been a follower of Jesus Christ for for a while. But for whatever reason, the light seems to have gone dim. It's not that the light itself has, gone, has, has decreased in its brightness. It's because that you have continued to build shelters of sin over you that has diminished it for, in some way, that has distracted you. But here's the thing about the light of Jesus Christ. It will burn through to the point where you can't help but notice it. So today, it is not too late for you. You can, you can go forward from here with this extravagant joy to lift up to Jesus Christ over and over and over again. I don't, I, I, I don't understand what happens at times, but there are times where I have found myself as a follower of Jesus, and I've walked into a sanctuary, and I've sat down, and I thought, huh, this, I, I don't have any joy right now. Have any of you ever felt that way? 
where this is not as a big of a deal or at this moment, or at least I'm tired, I'm distracted. Today, you have this wonderful opportunity because God is still reaching out to you. So if that's you today, I would love to pray with you as well. I would love to pray with you and so that we can together agree that Jesus is worth the journey and that he is deserving of our praise and worship. So I'm going to close us in prayer and that we can all agree together, let's follow Jesus. Let's worship him. Let's demonstrate to the world that this thing that we say is important, it really is. It really is important. Let's pray and agree, with, agree together. Jesus, thank you that you didn't stop talking to us. Thank you that you didn't stop pouring out your extravagant love and grace towards us, but you have decided that you are going to continue to pour out uh, your blessing on us. You're going to continue to, uh, to display your grace in a lavish way uh, all over our lives. And so we thank you, God, that even though there are times where our light seems to have gone dim, that you continue to shine brightly in such a way that it reignites the fire that used to be there. I pray, God, that when we leave this place, that we would leave with full of life, full of joy, and that we would pray the prayer of faith in the sick will get healed, that we would prophesy, that you would show us uh, visions and that we would have the eyes to see what you're showing us, that we would dream the dreams that the Holy Spirit is placing in our lives and that we would walk forward in obedience knowing that you have called us to something that is divine and, and, and full of hope. God, I pray that that fire that has gone uh, cold will be reignited once again so that we can continue to be a light shining in the darkness around us. God, thank you for giving us the promise of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us yourself. Thank you that we have life today. I pray that that would be something that would once again, that we would bleed and, 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 and mourn and, and be excited about as well the fact that you came and died for us, that this would be something that we would fall in love with all over again. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>